It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go on a beautiful Thursday afternoon in Las Vegas. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Jared Justice is on the other side of the glass on what is uh, a mixed emotional sports day in the Vegas Valley. We're going to talk Silver Knights hockey, as we always do, and get you set for the regular season finale that will be this Saturday night against the Ontario Reign, and then get, uh, again, a, a bit of a firmer grasp on what the playoff picture is going to look like beyond that for the Silver Knights. Uh, why is it a mixed emotional sports day? Well, if you're in our audience, and I'm sure you already are feeling those mixed emotions, on the positive end of the spectrum, uh, Vegas is bustling for the first of three nights of the NFL draft being held in Vegas. So for uh, teams across the National Football League, hope springs eternal tonight. Uh, and certainly that'll captivate the, the Vegas sports fan base. But on the other side, uh, VGK fans licking their wounds a little bit after last night's shootout loss to the Chicago Blackhawks uh, that officially ended the playoff hopes for the Golden Knights, who will miss the playoffs for the first time in franchise history in this, their fifth season. So for the uh, Golden Knights last night, the, the shootout loss would have uh, guaranteed their absence from the playoffs, but it ended up not mattering as the Dallas Stars, though they made it interesting, did take the Arizona Coyotes to overtime as well. That was a 3 nothing Stars lead. The Coyotes tied it up to get to overtime and ended up winning in overtime on a goal by Travis Boyd, but all Dallas needed to do was get to overtime to pick up at least a point uh, to guarantee their playoff presence, and they did just that. So for the VGK, last night's outcome, though uh, still disappointing, did not uh, directly impact their fate. That was in the hands of the Stars, and the Stars did what they needed to do. Uh, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting. Again, there, there's a lot of fans that are, of course, disappointed. Uh, it's... It's disappointing and frustrating for for everyone uh, in the organization, as Pete DeBoer and Mark Stone and others spoke to after the after the game. It's it's uh, not where the team wanted to end up, and and sometimes there's not much more to analyze than that. I, one of the things that's that's a, an interesting discussion. I know some fans uh, on social media platforms were, were voicing their frustration with the shootout, uh, and that, that's one of the things I I thought about a little bit after the fact. Sometimes it's after. When, when there's pressure for a rule change or for a, a change in direction for any sport, uh, it's after there's a, a high-profile example of it not working that uh, that movement happens. Now, the VGK had opportunities well before this week to put themselves in a better situation as they met the, the finish line. They just couldn't rack up the points that they needed. But the shootout is, you know, it's it's a... An element of the regular season, and we always excuse it, whether we like it or not. And again, it's part of the fabric of the league, and fans didn't want ties in the early 2000s when we saw the first, uh, or well, technically the second lockout that uh, introduced the shootout. It, it, like anything else, it has its pros, it has its cons. There are a lot of fans that now that we've moved to three-on-three three overtime, there's a lot more excitement. You know, one, one fan argument, one sector of the fan base uh, in the National Hockey League would say, well, give us more of the three-on-three. Three. It's fun, it's exciting, it's less gimmicky. Uh, all of this this boils down to the idea that we don't have shootouts in the playoffs because no one's season should end that way. We should end it with hockey and not with the uh, with a skills competition. Well, 
you can argue that for the Golden Knights who lost three straight shootouts, kind of it, it dictated the way their season closed out, certainly when they were going up head-to-head against the Dallas Stars. Now, again, the Stars won the shootout, so, you know, playing with the... Uh, the the rules in place that there are, they won, they get the spoils, and that's that's the way it is. But almost almost like with the uh, as as we're talking NFL stuff in Vegas this week, if you look at the conversation about overtime in the NFL playoffs and how they've changed it, that both teams get a possession, that is largely a change that's dictated by the outcome of one game with the Chiefs and Bills, and the Bills didn't get the ball in overtime and they lost. Well, you could say, well, the Bills should have stopped them. Just stop them defensively. If you can't stop them, you don't deserve to win. Same thing. You know, the shootout for the Golden Knights is is not the uh, the ideal outcome, but you know, win the shootout. And, and no, no one uh, has said differently on the the hockey side. But I know fans are a little, you know a little frustrated with uh, with the shootout outcomes. But this is not the first time uh, in my memory that a team's regular season fate was decided directly by the shootout. Uh, and that was uh, at the end of the 2009-10 season where the Rangers and Flyers were directly battling for the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, and that game went to a shootout. So it was, if you can think about it, game 82, they faced each other. It was, for all intents and purposes, a one-game playoff, and that went to the shootout, and the Flyers won and, and moved on. And, uh, and I know I remember at that time fans were like, we said that we weren't going to let shootouts decide uh, playoff fates. Sometimes that's just the way the dice rolls. So uh, I don't think anything would, would change, but obviously it's, it's one of those fun, if you were commissioner for a day conversations, uh, what would you do with the shootout? I wonder if, if the fact that th- three straight shootouts, now again, it wasn't the shootouts alone that uh, determined Vegas's fate, but it certainly closed the door on their season. I wonder if this is the kind of thing that says, you know, we really don't want seasons ending this way with shootouts having that much sway. Um, I don't think that's going to, to dictate one way or the other. I think if you wanted to move on from the shootout or, or redesign the overtime format a little bit, there's better reasons. Um, but it, it occurred to me, is this, is this a Chiefs-Bills moment? Uh, unlikely, but who's to say what conversations we're having over the next couple of weeks. Uh, regardless, for the Golden Knights, uh, frustrating, disappointing, but now the, uh, the attention will turn to the developmental aspect of it. And for the Silver Knights, who are going to be making a playoff run that will begin next week, we still don't know where that's going to lead them, but we're going to discuss that uh, a little bit right now. First of all, uh, or in addition to that, rather, uh, we're going to have Tim Speltz, the general manager of the Silver Knights, uh, join us in our next segment. Tim Speltz will be able to talk to us a little bit about uh, his reflections on this season as a whole. And then also uh, what is to come, uh, as everyone is is pensively waiting. You know, we're at that time of year. Again, it's it's a tough time for VGK fans, but it's still, uh, you know, the, the most wonderful time of year to be watching hockey. And even if your team isn't in it, it's not, uh, it, this is going to sound like hollow advice. Uh, you know, the, the fans in our audience are hockey fans, and I know you're watching either way. For what it's worth, watching the playoffs with no direct rooting interest, your team not in it, to what extent you can. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be lousy for a couple of days getting used to it, and there's going to be that feeling of, uh, that, that fear of missing out, seeing other teams' fan bases have the playoff fun that you want to be having. Um, but it's still hockey. It's still the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, and you know, you'll have the opportunity to watch with uh, a detached a, a detached mentality of, of rooting for chaos. If a game goes three overtimes, and uh, you know, usually that would have you 
you know, rocking back and forth, hugging your knees and, and having the, the stress attack of a lifetime. Well, now you can watch and laugh at everybody else who's having that panic attack, and you can just pop uh, some popcorn and, and, and sit back and relax. It's still a great time to be watching hockey, and that includes playoff hockey at all levels. And for the Silver Knights, uh, you can imagine that they're going to be watching, uh, not detached, but very, very interested tonight when the Manitoba Moose host the Abbotsford Canucks, because that is largely going to dictate, well, let, let me rephrase, that could decide tonight where the Silver Knights are headed for their first round of the playoffs. If you look at the way the uh, Pacific Division standings stack up right now, Silver Knights are in sixth. That is not going to change regardless of what happens against the Ontario Reign on Saturday. The Reign, who are also locked into the second spot in the Pacific, so they know what they're doing. Ontario is guaranteed to play San Diego. Stockton is guaranteed to have a first-round bye for winning the division. Everyone else is in playoff scramble mode. Where it currently stands, the Colorado Eagles have 85 points. Now, the way the standings are listed on the AHL website, if you take a look, they're listed by points percentage. That's really not necessary. You can do it by traditional points. In several uh, instances in the league, again, right this year, there are some teams playing 68 games, some teams playing 76, some teams playing 72. Next year, everyone will play 72 games, and that'll be uh, some nice uniformity from top to bottom in the league. But right now, there are the Central Division has uh, some teams playing 76, some teams playing 72. So they have to go based on points percentage. The Pacific Division is also listed that way. It doesn't have to be. The Pacific Division could be listed if they wanted to do so uh, on the basis of points. Why do I say that? I say that because we, for the purpose of calculating magic numbers, we can go on points. Colorado has 85 points. They are technically in third place, but they're done. They have no games left to play. The Condor virtue of having lost to the Canucks earlier this week can finish no better than fourth. I do believe they're still able to finish fourth if they win their final game. Um, The Abbotsford Canucks uh, have a chance to catch Colorado. So Colorado has 85 points. Abbotsford has 84 points with two games left. Colorado's done. Abbotsford has two games left, one point behind Colorado. Uh, And then there's the Condors and the Silver Knights. So if the Abbotsford Canucks pick up two points over these last two games against the Manitoba Moose, which are going to be played tonight and Saturday, if they pick up two points in any fashion, that's going to overtake Colorado. Abbotsford will have 86. That will make them the third seed. If Abbotsford can only pick up one point, that ties them with Colorado 85-85. But by virtue of the fact that we're saying they're only picking up one point, they're obviously not going to win another game in, in that scenario then Colorado will have the tiebreaker of regulation wins during the season. Colorado would have 31. Abbotsford would have 30. So to boil this down super, super, super simple, if the Canucks pick up two points in their next two games, they finish third, Silver Knights are going to Abbotsford. If they pick up one point or fewer in their last two games, Colorado finishes third, Silver Knights are going to Loveland. So tonight... If Abbotsford beats Manitoba, they're playing in Winnipeg. If Abbotsford wins that game, Silver Knights are going to Abbotsford. If Abbotsford does not win that game, then we have to wait until Saturday. And Saturday, the Canucks are playing the uh, Manitoba Moose. I believe that game is at noon Pacific time, if I'm not mistaken. 
They're playing at 2, two o'clock in Winnipeg, but that'll be noon here. So that means that by the time the uh, Silver Knights and Ontario Reign drop the puck on Saturday, one way or another, we're going to know. But that answer could come as soon as tonight. So again, if you're in the mood to watch some hockey and, and uh, you're, you're still a little down in the dumps after last night's VGK results, uh, and uh, I, I'm sure many of you are, of course you're going to have, uh, if you're a football fan, you'll have the draft on tonight. But out of the corner of your eye, keep an eye on this uh, Abbotsford-Manitoba game. That is uh, tonight at 5 p.m. in Winnipeg. That will uh, could give the Silver Knights some answers. And when you look at the potential first-round opponents that the Silver Knights could be facing, you know, there's there's a reason to have a rooting interest there as well, or maybe not a rooting interest, but, you know, you, can, you fans can determine that for themselves. Without question, uh, there's an interesting case history between the two potential options, whether it's Colorado or Abbotsford. For the Silver Knights, they've faced Abbotsford... Uh, on two different occasions this season, four games total, uh, but two trips, one trip to Abbotsford in October, and then the Abbotsford Canucks made a trip to face the Silver Knights in December. Silver Knights lost both games in Abbotsford. Uh, They split the two decisions at the Orleans Arena in late December, uh, one of which was an overtime loss uh, for the Silver Knights to the Canucks. But this is a Canucks team that you could argue right now is uh, if if this, the only team going right now in the American Hockey League that is as hot as the Henderson Silver Knights because the Silver Knights 7-0-1 in their last eight, well, it would be the Abbotsford Canucks who are 9-0-1 in their last ten. They've won nine straight games, uh, including games against some pretty tough customers like the Bakersfield Condors uh, earlier this week. So it's an Abbotsford team that's going very, very well. Uh, and in limited meetings has given the Silver Knights some trouble, but I think really what we would take away from an Abbotsford first-round matchup is that the Silver Knights know the Canucks the least. They've they've played them the least, just the four games uh, this season, and not for quite some time, and it's a Canucks team that is uh, likely, you would presume, going to get a lot of talent back from the Vancouver Canucks, uh, who have also been eliminated from playoff contention, so the likes of Sheldon Dries, uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, you know, it, it should be a fully stocked Abbotsford lineup, whereas the Colorado Eagles, also pretty well stocked, uh, could see some of their players taken away for the Colorado Avalanche and their playoff run. For the Eagles this season, Silver Knights have played well against Colorado, and they really have always played well against Colorado. They're 5-3, and 5-3-0 against the Eagles this season, 9-4-0 all-time, uh, and the Silver Knights are 4-2-0 all-time. Event Center, where the three games in this potential playoff series would be played. So, for the Eagles, you have familiarity, you have success, and, and you have a, a Silver Knights team that uh, we know how depleted Henderson has been throughout the season. Even when they've been missing players to the VGK, like your Jake Lecisions, Jonas Rombjergs, they've been able to control Colorado teams that have included Dylan Secura, who's had a magnificent season for the Eagles, Kiefer Sherwood, Jason Megna, even when those players, uh, and, and we haven't seen too many instances where the Eagles had everybody at once, but even so, uh, this has been a Silver Knights team that has played well against Colorado, that has handled the altitude well when they've played on the road at Budweiser Event Center. Uh, there is a lot. There are a lot more known factors for the Silver Knights in a 
potential matchup against the Colorado Eagles. There's a lot more question marks, and they're facing a team that's much more uh, momentum-powered in the Abbotsford Canucks right now if the Silver Knights have to head north of the border for uh, the first round of the playoffs, which, again, after after the Abbotsford decision or, or the uh, the outcome is, is figured out, whether Abbotsford can pick up two points in the next two games against the Moose or not, that's also when we'll firmly find out when those first-round matchups for the Silver Knights are going to be, not just uh, where but also when in Abbotsford or in Colorado. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll catch up with general manager Tim Speltz uh, and his thoughts. This is his first year uh, in the VGK HSK organization. What did he think about his team's performance? How has his team handled this very busy but very successful stretch of April? And what do they look ahead to in the Calder Cup playoffs against either the Canucks or the Eagles. That is straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game. You're listening to the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. And now, back to HSK Today with Brian McCormick. Back on HSK Today, we're joined by Silver Knights General Manager Tim Speltz. Uh, Tim, thanks for joining us and uh, giving us a little bit of a recap of the season and what is uh, the most wonderful time of the year heading into the playoffs. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Looking forward to uh, to the playoff run for sure. I mean, the opportunity to stay competing at this time of year is is uh, great for the organization and, and great for the players. So we're very much looking forward to it. I wonder, you know, it's it's such a long season and it goes so quickly at the same time. When you reach the finish line, which will be this Saturday against Ontario, do you allow yourself to take a deep breath and kind of look back at the season that was, or is it all attention ahead to the playoffs? Well, I, I think both. I, I think the time when we clinched a playoff spot, you know, then you could, you know, breathe a, a sigh of relief knowing that, that you were in. Uh, you know, we still had a, a lot to play for. Uh, and, and number one is getting your team playing the right way and playing well at the end of the year. And we've accomplished that. I think we're 8-1-1 one and one in our last 10 uh, with a game Saturday night coming up. So that's a strong finish for us. Uh, uh, it would be great if we knew our uh, opponent at this point. We don't, but we have to deal with that. Uh, but now it's it's about getting prepared and, and quickly moving on to our next step and, and uh, playoff prep. Can you put your finger on what has gone so well in April? As you guys, as you mentioned, a, a lengthy point streak for you guys, playing your best hockey of the year. Uh, what what clicked at the start of April? Well, I think more than anything, just getting some players back. I mean, I, I think that. Uh, you know, we, we've had some tough times, uh, you know, this season. And, and it's just it's, it's when we've had injuries combined with call-ups that that just hasn't been a, a recipe for success in any way for us. Uh, I think early in the year we got away with it uh, when we had Logan Thompson because LT was, quite frankly, you know, he was, he was able to win games for us by himself. And as, as solid as our goaltending has been, it's been great all year. We didn't have that, you know, when we were going through our tough stretch in, in February and March. But when it came right down to it, we just didn't have the depth uh, in our lineup that we needed to compete in the American Hockey League. And I think every team is susceptible to it. Uh, the more injuries you have, you know, with the, the big team, the NHL team, the, you know, the, the thinner your American League roster is going to be. And when you look at a team like... Stockton and, and Calgary Flames, I mean, they're very similar. Calgary Flames had very few injuries. 
they finished for you know first in the Pacific and and uh, no different than Stockton because Calgary had very few injuries they didn't have call-ups they had very few injuries and they're first as well so it, it's there is a correlation there there's no question about it at the same time it is what it is we've had great opportunity for players to to get uh, more ice time to get better opportunity with our team and I think they've taken positive steps and the players that have went up to VGK coming back, they're better players for being up. Talking to Tim Speltz, GM of the HSK, when you talk about the players that come back and, and the benefits of the NHL experience they had, maybe Jake LeCision, Jos Romberg as well, they'd be the best case studies. I wonder when they go back and forth multiple times, can you see the impact of NHL experience each time they come back? So, for example, Jake LeCision just returning, is this the best version of Jake LeCision that we've seen this year after multiple stops uh, with Vegas? I believe it will be. I mean, so far we, we've only had one game with Jake since he's been back. But I, I believe the answer to the question is yes, that we will see that. Uh, I think, you know, there was a time with a couple of our guys where they, I think, got taxed physically with the movement up and down, back and forth. I think that was no different than with what we did with Yuri when he was going back and forth from Fort Wayne. You know, that does get a little bit taxing for a player. So you maybe don't see that immediate impact when they are when they are down or uh, in Yuri's case when he was up. But I, I think at the same time, long term, you're going to see that benefit. And every player for me has, has maximized their opportunity uh, when they've been called up and they're better players when they're back down. In addition to the benefits of playing in the NHL, which of course is an obvious benefit for a young player, often we hear at this time of year how important it is for players to have the experience of playoff hockey and how it's, uh, especially in a developmental setting, how it's a a different kind of game and what it adds for them. Uh, Has that been your experience in different levels of hockey, that, that playoff hockey means that much more to a player developmentally? Well, I, I just think the the extra competition of it. I mean, it's it's the toughest uh, it's the toughest hockey they'll play all season. Uh, as they progress, it'll get tougher and tougher. Uh, I think you know the biggest thing is that that you're playing the same opponent and typically sometimes against the same guys every night. So sometimes lines will match up throughout a series. So it's you know it's imposing your will or them imposing their will on you shift after shift, and and that takes so much. Uh, you know, character and, and so much, uh, you know, to be able to handle that shift after shift. And, and that's where you really see, you know, guys take steps when they understand what that's all about. Uh, I think it's important to have playoff experience, but I also think it's important to have balance and depth. And, and I like the fact that our forward lines now do have that, and, and that's what we'll be drawing from for sure. Another element for the uh, the recent surge you guys have had has been the uh, the infusion of some young guys. Uh, who have also performed very well, very quickly. Brendan Brisson, Isaiah Seville. Uh, w- was there any surprise that they were able to acclimate themselves to the pro game and have success uh, as quickly as they did? Well, I think in Brendan Brisson's case, uh, probably not. Uh, I think he was more expected to be able to do that where, I mean, just his draft status alone, he's a first-round pick. Uh, the fact that, you know, he uh, he played in the Olympics this year. I mean, he played in World Junior two years ago. I mean, that gives him great experience. I mean, this, this kid's got a, a fantastic resume. Uh, and as well, he, he's, got some, uh, he's got some real swagger to him. He's got good confidence as far as he's been around the rink his whole life, similar to a Jake Lecician, I guess. And he's made the most of that. Uh, I think with Isaiah, for me, 
you know, for him to get thrown in the way he was thrown in is has been incredible. And, and yet he's, you know, that speaks to who he is as a person. He is a fine young man. He's a character guy uh, that has all kinds of confidence, I think, in, in himself as a person and as a player. And, and he's just played like he he you know, there's just he's so unassuming, this guy. Uh, but he just does his job night after night. And that, that is great to see. It makes me wonder, uh, and of course all players are different, but as you mentioned for Brendan Brisson, the, the Frozen Four stage, the Olympics, a, a different wrinkle this year, but it seems like there are so many scenarios now where young kids and juniors in college are put in high-profile, high-media spotlight situations. Are, are young players more adept at making the jump, or, or can they handle more maybe than they did in, in decades past? Well, I think some can and some can't. I, I think the ones that, that separate do and I mean I think the ones that we see play at the, this level and then move on to, to play in the National Hockey League level do but I mean there comes times when there's very good players and, and they, they get to the next level and they for whatever reason can't handle it and it's very important and you have to take the necessary steps to progress and we've had a lot of players that have done that so you know I think it's it's important I don't know if it's more now than before uh, I think players you know I mean every get opportunity it's just what he does with it and the timing of it some players are, are more ready than others at different times uh, we're very fortunate in the two guys you just mentioned that, that they're prepared and, and both ready uh, to make the most of the opportunity when it presented itself talking to general manager tim speltz uh, one game left on the regular season schedule we don't look beyond that uh, against the ontario rain which has been uh, one of the best teams in the western conference all year long does that present a good opportunity for you guys as one final test before the playoffs start uh or you know for fans who are watching the last uh, series against san jose i think they want to make sure both teams got through that game unscathed how do you, how do you guys uh, approach that final game well that's the tough balance exactly right there i mean we want to get through it unscathed uh, but at the same time, we think this is, you know, we're going to prepare for, uh, you know, this is be as similar probably as we can get to our game one lineup is, is what's going to present itself on Saturday. And uh, now for us, I, mean, I think we want to, you know, have uh, good usage of our lineup, that we have good minutes spread out throughout our lineup. We don't have anybody that's taxed during the game. But uh, we want to win the hockey game. We want to put our best uh, foot forward. We want to make sure we're prepared going into the playoffs. Whether we're playing Abbotsford or Colorado, we want to make sure that this is a kickstart for us for, uh, for round one. I think fans are really excited over the course of the month of April that the scoring has been up. It's been about, during this point streak, I want to say a little over four and a half goals a game you guys are, are averaging, but the back end has been pretty good too. And, and you know, two players who are, are building blocks on both the AHL and NHL side, Braden Pahal, who's the captain, and Zach Hayes, who is on the first year of his NHL deal, both have seen time with the VGK uh, this season. How, how do you feel about the, the defensive depth that you guys have heading into playoff hockey from a... A physical aspect well I mean those two players specifically I mean they've you know interestingly they've won a championship before they were both on a Western Hockey League championship they played together in Prince Albert they'll be able to draw from that for sure and they understand what it's like to play a, to have a long playoff run so that's great you know I think when when we look at RD 
you know, we're not as, as deep as we could have been uh, with the loss of, of Peter Dilibatori. Uh, but at the same time, we're, we're very comfortable with our group moving forward. Uh, RD, uh, I mean, there's not a lot of experience back there with the exception of McCaution, mm -hmm. but no different than we talked about Seville and Brisson. I mean, these guys are, are ready for the opportunity that was presented to them. And, and uh, we're comfortable with RD. We're comfortable with, uh, you know, with the balance we have back there and the depth we have back there for sure. Talk about players who have taken a big developmental leap forward this year. Uh, the the numbers offensively that Ben Jones has put up, I don't think is what anybody would have anticipated coming in, but he's, he's found a real knack in front of the net. How, how satisfied are you with what he's brought this year, not just in terms of the numbers, but the, but the way he's been putting them up? Well, I think it's, you know, really interesting that, you know, when you talk about chemistry and you talk about players playing together, I mean, that line of, you know, Jermaine Lowen and, and uh, Ben Jones and Alan Quine has been excellent for us and a big part of our success. And, you know, it was the first time this year we could really, we really felt we could put that group together. Uh, Ben's been a big part of that. He's got some experience. Uh, I mean, I, I think Ben, you know, when, when he's playing, whether it's at the American Hockey League or, or the NHL, it's not going to be that he's going to be known as a scorer. It's going to be that he's a competitive guy. He's hard to play against. He can chip in offensively and he can play in every situation. So uh, it was great to see Ben rewarded when, when he got extra opportunity. He's one of the guy that, guys that's played you know, if not every game, just about every game that unless, you know, I think he was called up at one time. But I mean, you know, I think it's a great step for him. And now he has to carry that forward. And, and uh, he sure looks like he's got two, uh, two line mates that complement, they, they each complement each other. And I think that's great moving in and Ben's a big part of that. As you've mentioned, you guys don't yet know who your first round opponent is going to be. Usually during this kind of a stretch, we'll hear players say, you know, it doesn't matter who we're playing, we're just worried about ourselves. And that's when they do know who their opponent is. I wonder if not knowing is helpful for you guys in just focusing on yourselves, or does the curiosity nag at you guys the same way it would nag at the fan base? Well, it's, it probably benefits everybody except for the guy that's trying to book the travel, Brian. Uh, but <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> but that said, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we can't really, you know, I, I, you know, I think everything points towards Abbotsford, uh, and, and yet they have to win a hockey game still. Uh, but, but I, I, you know, that, that you look at, the, you know, they played Manitoba twice. You, you've got to think they, they, in all likelihood they'll probably split that. But that said, we can't prepare for an opponent we don't know yet. So, I mean, I think we're doing our best to make sure that we're ready. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is totally about us right now getting in our preparation, for sure, getting ready. With Silver Knights GM Tim Speltz, uh, before we let you go, I wanted to ask, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are preparing for their NFL draft parties while listening to HSK today. I'm glad we can be there for them. But uh, as a general manager for a long time in the Western Hockey League, you've taken part in Western Hockey League drafts with young kids scouting for the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the draft prep for that. You you know drafts. Uh, does Tim Speltz have any draft day superstitions that fans should adopt for their NFL draft tonight? You know what? No, not really. I mean, it, it, it's an exciting time for everybody involved. I mean, I, I know the, the teams for sure. I mean, they're, they're building their future. Uh, I think the players and the families, I mean, it's an exciting time. Did I have any superstitions? Not really. I, I think it was, there was a lot of sleepless nights that went into it. Uh, and then the one thing that I, I always wanted to do is when we were drafting is to never, 
make the selection, you know, whether you're sending it in or write it down on paper until the team before he has selected. That's the only one is that just it's happened where all of a sudden you've got a name written down and you have to cross it out. When that happens once, it'll never happen again. Tim, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. And uh, I know we've got one more game before we get there, but good luck in round one. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Silver Knights General Manager Tim Speltz will step aside. More HSK today on the other side of the break on 1230 The Game, the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. And now, back to HSK Today with Brian McCormick. Back on HSK Today, great to have you with us. That was Tim Speltz uh, in our last segment, giving us a bit of a sense of where the Silver Knights are mentally. And I'll tell you, it's it's been a... Uh, a, a bit of a blessing in disguise I think you could say for the Silver Knights this week uh, where they do have one game left against Ontario on Saturday uh, and that's a game where don't know what the two rosters are going to look like but as as Tim Speltz himself mentioned uh, you want to get through the last couple of games of the regular season unscathed so it might be an opportunity for for again both of these teams because Ontario can't move in the standings up or down either uh rest some players protect some players from potential injury uh and and just you know get through it uh but for the silver knights who have played so much hockey in april you know the reason they have this game against ontario it's a rescheduled game from earlier in the year a game that was postponed due to covid if not for this week in which other teams especially the canadian teams are filling in more uh, rescheduled games from their COVID cancellations earlier in the year. You know, the, the Calder Cup playoffs would have gotten started a lot sooner. And you would have had a Silver Knights team that had a ton of hockey packed into April going right into the postseason. Uh, that would be tough, you know, and you could make an argument that the Silver Knights might have been running on empty in such a circumstance. But now they find themselves, okay, there's a little bit more time to rest, to regroup. They'll have played no games from last Saturday until this coming Saturday. Uh, and even those games against San Jose, they were able to rest some of their primary starters. So uh, it's, it's a good opportunity for the Silver Knights to get their legs back underneath them, catch their breath a little bit, uh, and get themselves in the best possible uh, playing shape for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, for the Silver Knights, they're also going to have some uh, more reinforcements, and that's been a bit of a theme of April as well, with the additions of uh, Brendan Brisson and Isaiah Seville that we heard uh, Tim Speltz talk a little bit about in our last segment. They're also going to bring another uh, highly touted VGK prospect into the mix, and that's Ivan Morozov, who ex- is expected to be uh, available for the Silver Knights uh, this Saturday. Now, I don't know whether or not he'll, uh, he'll dress, but I, I think the, I think my expectation would be that we're probably going to see Ivan Morozov make his AHL debut on Saturday against the rain. Morozov, a 2018 second round pick, the 61st overall for the Golden Knights, uh, and has played a lot of KHL hockey over the last couple of years. Uh, Ivan Morozov, 105 KHL games, 23 goals, and 49 points. This year has been uh, somewhat limited due to injury, appearing in just 22 KHL games, as well as 15 VHL games. VHL is basically Russia's version of the American Hockey League. So, uh, again, a, a highly touted prospect, and I think one of the more exciting NHL prospects playing outside of the NHL uh, coming into this season. 
and uh, looks like he'll be available for the Silver Knights wearing number 11 uh, and giving them, again, another piece of the puzzle at this time of year uh, and also going to give them an opportunity should they choose to use him on Saturday and uh, get a look at him uh, in the North American game. It'll also give uh, them a chance to rest other options. Uh, but the Silver Knights now have a, a very strong Russian nucleus with, uh, again, some of their top performers in Pavel Dorofiev, Daniil Miramanov, Maxim Marashev, who got back into the mix over the last week and a half. Uh, and now you can add Ivan Morozov to that group as well. Well, for the Silver Knights, uh, again, you can't look past this next weekend against Ontario. Still a game that needs to be played and needs to be uh, treated with the utmost seriousness to get ready for postseason play earlier this week. We caught up with Connor Ford, talked a little bit with him about the efforts in April, his first AHL goal, which came on Saturday against the Barracuda, and the playoffs to come. Here's what Connor Ford had to say. The Silver Knights forward, Connor Ford. Uh, first of all, Connor, you, you got your first AHL goal uh, on Saturday. Take us through it and uh, how, how happy I'm sure you are to have number one out of the way. Yeah, we, we got a power play opportunity late there um, on Saturday night in the third and a you know, good shot, a good wall work over there by, by Primo up to Hacker and a good shot. And I was able to tip it in. Um, and yeah, it was a great, great sigh of re relief. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to finish this spring without one. Uh, so it was good to get one out of the way and, and the guys were super happy for me, which made me even happier. You guys are on a really good run now, 7-0 and one in your last eight. Uh, how has everything come uh, come together for you guys in the in the month of April, which has been I know you just got here, but but the best month for the team statistically. Yeah, I think uh, the team's really coming together. Um, you know, we're getting healthy, and we got guys back uh, from the cl uh, top club, and uh, the, all the pieces kind of came together at the right time. And and the result uh, is what you've seen over the last eight games, over the last few weeks, um, and we're getting hot at the right time. Um, and and really really excited for what this group can accomplish over the next uh, month uh, and beyond. Has it been beneficial for you guys to have as much home hockey in April as you've had? Uh, it's been a lot of hockey, but a lot of time at the DLC as well. Yeah, I mean, from my understanding, the guys were on the road a lot uh, before I got here. Uh, so it was it was very refreshing. You could feel it. You know, everybody kind of uh, uh, relax a bit throughout the week. You don't have to travel. Um, you can take a minute to... Uh, kind of take a breath and and get ready to play um, and and I think that did a lot for our our mental side of things and and allowed us to play better hockey. I wonder how quickly a, a player feels he gets acclimated to the American Hockey League again it's been a really short window of time but you've played 11 games how different do you feel uh, from the way you felt on game one? Yeah I just it, the game slows down uh, once you get a feel for uh, your teammates and the way people play um, and, and not only that, the systems as well, the, the way the coaches want you to play. Once you, once it becomes, becomes second nature, you don't have to think as much and the game slows down. You can just go out there and play. And, you know, fortunately, you know, I was thrown to the fire right away. I played four games in my first, you know, five nights. Um, and from game one to four, I was a different player. And so oh, kind of trial by fire. And I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. How do you guys approach this last game of the season? You'll have a week off in between games number 68 and uh, 67 and 68. Uh, and it's a game that for both teams isn't going to move you in the standings one way or the other. How do you mentally approach it before the playoffs? And you got to treat it as that first playoff game. You know, you got to, it's an opportunity to get sharp.
especially special teams. That's something that uh, both teams are going to be looking to uh, get ready to go because uh, that's usually the difference in playoff hockey. Um, but ultimately, you want to play that game the right way. You don't want to go and want to go into playoffs with a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, you want to be sharp. You want to be good, and you know, keep that rolling right into playoff hockey. Your first AHL goal, I presume somebody grabbed the puck for you. Uh, where does that go? Do you keep that? Does uh, parents get that? Where does that go? I have it, and I'm going to keep it forever. Nobody's getting that one. And that was Connor Ford, and uh, I always love to ask that question. I know I'm not the only one who likes to ask that question, but the first goal puck, who who gets it? Because you know there's a lot of people clamoring for it, and you know uh, mom and dad probably lead the list of uh, eligible candidates to keep it. Uh, but it's also uh, one of those special little trinkets that a player will have for his entire uh, life after hockey is that first goal puck. And every now and then you hear a player say, hey, mom and dad can visit it, but I, I want it. That's mine. And it looks like Connor Ford uh, will have a special place on the mantle picked out for AHL goal number one. Well, as we mentioned, for the Henderson Silver Knights, they take on the Ontario Reign this weekend. It is also a big weekend in Vegas for other reasons. It is NFL Draft Weekend, uh, which always comes with fun stats and factoids that uh, people will be bombarded with over the course of the next three days on uh, whatever select network they're following along with. But uh, I always like on draft nights to find out uh, you know, which players drafted uh, were better at something else. And, you know, something we ask hockey players all the time, like, oh, you know, what other hobbies did you have in high school? Did you do uh, chorus? Did you act? Did you play baseball? What would you do? And, and not surprisingly, athletic young men and women who are playing sports at a high level usually played something else. If you're good at one sport, you're probably good at a couple of them. And uh, it, it always fascinates me at the NHL draft when, when they discuss the players uh, who we know well for doing other things that uh, were hockey players as well. Uh, and from a baseball perspective, uh, you know, there, there are a couple that are pretty well documented, like Chris Drury was uh, in the Little League World Series. Uh, actually, I think, my, I think he won the Little League World Series as a kid, but there are several examples much higher than that. Tom Glavin was drafted. Uh, Tom Glavin, of course, the Hall of Fame pitcher, was drafted into the NHL uh, by the LA Kings. He was the 69th overall pick, I, I want to say, uh, in the in the early 80s. So Tom Glavin could have played hockey professionally. He chose baseball. And he probably made the right uh, decision. Niger Morgan, uh, fans, uh, baseball fans might remember from the Pirates and Bruins, uh, uh, Brewers, excuse me. Uh, he was uh, a pl- he played hockey and actually played uh, or had an opportunity to play. I think in the the BCHL, he played uh, for the Regina Pats in the Western Hockey League in the late 90s. Uh, And then another high-profile one, Justin Morneau, a longtime Minnesota twin, uh, also had a a couple of opportunities to play in the Western Hockey League, including an exhibition game with the Portland Winterhawks in the WHL. So a couple of high-profile players that could have played hockey and chose to play something else how about the other direction hockey players that could have played football on this nhl draft night well i've only heard of about a couple but i know anders lee of the new york islanders had a few offers to play division one football he was a record-setting quarterback in high school in edina minnesota and then uh, perhaps a little closer uh, to nfl prospects than that 
was uh, defenseman Paul Martin, who played for the San Jose Sharks and before that the New Jersey Devils for a long time. Also a record setter in Minnesota high school football uh, in the late 90s. Had a chance to play at the University of Minnesota as a wide receiver. Uh, chose hockey and again most of these stories when you hear the sport they ended up choosing they uh, they made the right call but something to keep in the back uh, back of your mind when you're watching the nfl draft tonight the 350 pound offensive lineman might have made a pretty good goalie if things had gone just a little bit differently well that's going to wrap us up today on hsk today special thanks to tim speltz for hopping on with us reminder that the silver knights play their final game of the regular season on saturday it is fan appreciation day at the dollar loan center so make your way down uh the final giveaway night for the lucky shillings uh from uh sunshine minting uh, and after the game, the Silver Knights players will be throwing some autographed items into the stands as well as one final thank you before the playoffs. So make sure you get down to the DLC for 7 o'clock puck drop. We'll be here on 1230 of the game. And if you can, tune in tonight, the Manitoba Moose taking on the Abbotsford Canucks and perhaps answering some questions as to where the playoff path will turn for Henderson in the days ahead. I'm Brian McCormick. Thanks for tuning in on HSK Today. We'll see you this weekend on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network.